right, so here we are with um, Amp Year One, Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves. Uh, we're in, what, September 2016, so a fair chunk of months after the last episode was played or even recorded. Uh, to my right, I have X playing Y. Uh, Kevin playing Nod. Ian, the DM. Nicole playing uh, Reagan, who was a Balk. Yes. Right, that was the name. What was your superhero name? Raph. Raph. And Devin, who played Alan Smithy? Yeah. AKA who was an elemental. AKA Lamegatron. Yeah, no. Who was an <laughs> elemental? You guys fucking ruined that the first fucking session. The whole game was name ruining. That's that's how it uh, and yeah, Kevin's character was um, a psych? A mentat? A psych. Oh, nyromancy. Oh, nyromancy. Uh, Alright, I guess I'll take the lead for this because this is the takedown session. Uh, we've done one of these previously where we compared Exalted to Godbound, and this episode will be nowhere as near controversial and nowhere as near... Um, I don't want to say complete, but I want to say final. Yeah, no, this is not a final opinion. This is our, we played, well, listeners would have heard, this will be... We went through every year one adventure. Yeah, so we played seven adventures. Listeners would have heard six adventures, because one got lost, unfortunately. Yeah. And, yeah. So, okay, let's give some recaps. So, Amp Year One is made by Third Eye Games, headed by one Eloy LaSanta. And I heard about AMP when they were kickstarting AMP Year 3 some fucking how. I don't even remember how that came about. But I did, and I thought it looked neat because of the power tree options. It reminded me of a lot of the better MMOs where you have like all these different trees to fill out and stuff. Hmm. And uh, some of the art looked cool, and it reminded me a lot of Aberrant, but if Aberrant wasn't shit. <laughs> so I kickstarted it, and either I kickstarted it at a high enough level that I got AMP Year 1, or I went and found Amp Year One and took a look at it and we ended up giving it a try. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we did those. Though. We did all of the Year One adventures and we built three fairly diverse characters. Uh, yeah. So I guess we'll start with Ian. Ian, how did you like running Amp Year One from a GM perspective? <laughs> what did the game do that made it simpler to run? Uh, were its themes like super interesting to engage with as far as making stories go. I know we didn't make a lot of stories because we went with yeah. the pre-adventures. Um, Anything that stood out? Well, it was it's a simple D20 system where you had two abilities and, well, sorry, you had a bunch of abilities and then any kind of thing you wanted to do in the world, you used two of those abilities and that was your stat modifier. Yeah, that was the skill system skill uh, slash system, combat system. Which was fairly simple, easy to use, easy to understand. Um, the juice was an interesting aspect because it was a quote-unquote limited resource that allowed you to use your powers. I don't know if we quite ran it as limited as we could have. It might have made our game different. It's kind of fairly free-flowing. Yeah, we, we kind of made almost unlimited juice for the characters. Not Plus, quite, also, um, I don't think most of our powers even used it. Yeah, yeah. Like we specifically used like bought but, powers that wouldn't spend a lot of it because we're like, oh shit. Yeah. You only get like four of them. Yeah. Well, so you got juice from basically everything. So yeah, you did. You started with I think three, and then once combat started, you got an extra one, and then once you got to half health, you got another one, and if you did something amazing, you got an extra. There's a number of ways to get juice, but I think uh, there's. In the rules, there is ways of 
you know, doing changing a, the, the scale. yeah different tiers yeah. of like how you're gonna how you're gonna run the game, thing. whether it's gonna be a high juice game, which is kind of what our game was, or a low juice game where you know players get one juice and then when battle starts they get one more juice, and then it's not until they get down to like the last three health that they get any more juice, which would make it a very different game. Um, so as far as mechanics wise, fairly simple to run. Fairly simple to build your guys' characters, if I remember correctly. I think we did it all in an afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. It was so, basically pick, picking what you wanted to close. Yeah. Down. Which was, I mean, that's always the funnest part of character building is deciding, ooh, do I want to be super fast? Do I want to be super strong? Do I want to be super smart? Do I want to... Which is fun. Um, and then as far as world building, it was, I mean, the, build, the world was built for us. As we said, we took all the adventures. Uh, the adventures were a lot of fun. A little bit railroady it felt at times, but mm. yeah. it could have been just we're used to a bit more open worldy sort of games. Mm. So I, I was mentioning to Nicole on the drive here that this game, the way it felt to me was it would have been a lot of fun to do the seven different adventures that they have with seven completely different characters like write up new characters for each adventure because as we said it only took a very short amount of time to write up a character so kind of tailor make characters specifically for the adventures so that the adventures played out the most fun quote unquote um to counter that i think most of the adventures or most of amba actually comes with cremates specifically for that for like conventions yeah. and shit yeah and so yeah using those pre-made characters to run the adventures and then almost instead of where if you listen to our exalted campaign where we're you know the main characters i guess you could say and we control the flow of the story to a degree whereas have amp run it as you're just people in the world and everything's going on around you and you don't actually directly control the story that exists and that is called a meta plot yeah and it is one of the more reviled pieces of rpg technology in the last decade yeah, some people like it, but I definitely, it's not, it's not my favorite thing. Um, if the world existed, and, you know, this is how amps came to be or whatever, that'd be fine. And then you're in the world. Go and do. This is a superhero campaign, so, you know, you're probably going to want to write a superhero character. Other than that, you know, go. Yeah. That's better. But, like, I... having all these events that's happening in-game that basically makes it set... A, you can't interfere with it or else you fuck up the entire game. There's five, there's uh, four books coming up after Ampere 1. And yeah. B, yeah, it'll like affect your character, but you have no input in it kind of thing. Yeah, I feel there was a, there was a very severe meta plot in the whole game. Especially, uh, I think it was really obvious in the White Knight bit with the Necromancer, where that one woman shows up and you can't save her no matter what. Yeah, White Knight. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're totally outclassed, and you you would die completely if it weren't for this one NPC with the spotlights on. Yeah, I think she has her own custom power set for that adventure that's introduced in that book that you can yeah. take. Yeah, that's definitely not interesting for me. Like that kind of ga gaming isn't interesting for me. In defense, um, oh sorry, uh, I was going to go off on a different tangent, so you can go here. In defense of the meta plot, here's the thing: there are a billion superhero games on the market, and there have been a billion super games before, and they're all the same. Four color, you play capes, and you go about doing cape stuff. Someone writes up a Dr. Dinosaur, and you fight him. 
And AMP takes a lot of its a lot of its DNA from Aberrant, even in conception. And Aberrant was a, a '90s or early 2000s kinds of uh, toss up to that that what was going on. Aberrant played like it was a superhero game in the advertising material, and then when you played it, you realized you were playing a Cronenberg, an early '90s Cronenberg horror film, where everyone thinks you're a superhero, but you're really a monster, and you're becoming more and more monstrous as time goes on. And it, it was even riddled like a cancer with all these different metaplot issues, super NPCs, you know, Divis Maul is the most famous if you want to Google that, uh, and all these problems that were very iconic of White Wolf at the time. Things people didn't really have fun playing, but I've had a lot of fun reading, or maybe had a lot of fun White Room theory craft building characters around. Mm-hmm. Now, where AMP differs from this is Average was fairly sandbox. But it, it, as long as you understood that you were playing people that were that had that had cancer, as opposed to people that had superpowers, um, AMP takes a bit from Orpheus. I find where there are five years to or AMP. Like the name of the game is AMP Year One. That's the core name, and then there's a year for each one afterwards. And, and I think what's happening with these these adventures with the timeline that's very prevalent in the first book is that AMP is like Orpheus, where there are five years, and you play through all five of these years, and then that's it. We just got Amp Year 3 Kickstarter. We haven't even seen the PDF yet. It's coming out within the next month or so, I think. Um, which will be neat. But it's very clear that when 5 is done, I don't think there is a afterwards that's going to be happening. Which isn't bad. It's just this has been done before by a few games that if you want to do something like this where you're playing basically a story and you're repeating that story every time you play Amp, you have to be able to pull it off in a way that you'll want to replay. You'll want to revisit year one and go, and go all the way through five. I, you know, personally, I like some of the railroady stuff My, myself, like playing wise. That's I don't mind, you know, playing through a story. I don't know, as you say, replayability wise. I don't know. Like, I think I'd play through it once the way it's, you know, meant to be. And then after that, I think I'd be like, okay, well, let's year one kill off this main character. And see, and then have the GM or DM or whatever you want to call them, uh, kind of create, you know, knowing what's supposed to happen, yeah. what would, the different events. And that's kind of on your play group to brainstorm what would happen if, you know, year one, instead of the president being shot at the end, he wasn't shot. Oh, he's an important and character. He comes back as a monster in the third game. Exactly. So what, like, you know, as it goes down the line, because you've played through and you kind of know how it's supposed to end, then have it almost, you could even tie it in with one of the characters who has um, time abilities. Yeah. And you basically throw a character who goes back in time and is like, I know what's going to happen. Let's try and stop this. Yeah, but it's anyone really going to want to play through these storylines twice. Well, this is the question. Will anyone care yeah. enough? Because all the time we were playing, I was thinking of the super fan. And what I mean is, is, is Amp is an indie game by a very indie studio. Third Eye Games does Ninja Crusade. Um, they do Amp. They do a few others that are they're fairly interesting, but they're, they're very indie. And I'm thinking of the super fan. And is he... Is him and his group going to play Amp Year 1 to death until Amp Year 2 comes out? And will Amp Year 2's out? So are they going to do 1 and 2 till 3 comes out? 3's not even out yet. Will they do 1, 2, and 3? How can you have these people who will get together every week for, let's say, a few years. Let's say year 5 doesn't come out for, like, another 3 years or another 2 years. Like, the, the final book. 
Yeah. Are you going to have these guys who are going to just keep playing this game over and over because they're really enthusiastic about it and not be paralyzed by decision fatigue? Because you can't make huge changes to the setting or to the NPCs without knowing what's going to happen at the very end. And this was something Orpheus was able to solve. I'm not going to say completely, but it had a pretty good grasp on that by each book in Orpheus being very distinct types of games. Like, the entire pretense of Orpheus, where your projector is working for a company, doesn't exist past book one. So if you all played book one of Orpheus and didn't know the other four existed and just kept being, you know, corporate people, you could still play that game to death and then be completely surprised that book two comes out and changes things up. Yeah. And what I found with looking at Ampere 2 is things don't change. Um, it has yeah, it's it, an escalation it of the same. Yeah. So if we were super fans, you know, if we were really, really into this, I would be terrified to interact with any of the characters or try to kill them because it'd be like, well, if we kill them, what happens in book four? What happens in book five? Will we have derailed everything? Will we have to retcon it? Uh, will we have ruined it? I want to I want to experience the yeah, meta plot as, as yeah. Third Eye Games is producing it. Yeah, and then you can't... Uh... So basically that means that if you're interested in the meta plot... That means you can't actually interact with any of it and can't use any of the NPCs, essentially. Otherwise, you're going to... You might ruin it. Basically, this, this game is going to be best once it's completed. But it's a but baby, it, and it's, it's starving, and exactly. it needs fans and, and money now. Fans, yeah, so... It needs people playing it to find things they like about it to it make is, a... The only fun. thing the only like, thing I could see um, for replayability is joining the different factions. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's Fallout scenario here. Yeah. You, you start from year one, you join a different faction, you see how it plays out from their perspective. Yeah. I think a big thing is that there's all these major important characters and they're just piled into every story. Like mm -hmm. None of them are like free. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're a metaplot. They're like Divis Small and Team Tomorrow or the Aberrants or any of those people from Orpheus that show up. The sample characters in Orpheus are actually important characters that show up later in the plot. But like, not only are they characters that exist in the world that are you can't interact with her or else it's a problem, but also they jam it down your throat in an adventure. It's like, this character is here. Yeah. It's like, you can't do this adventure without this character being here. Also, they're kind of an antagonist, but you can't actually defeat them because... Uh, right? and, and again, if you if you legitimately, legitimately as a group, want to experience the meta plot, not only can you not do it because they show up in future things, but you would feel shitty about doing it because you're ruining your own fun. Yeah. Also, that's the perspective I kind of want to bring to the table here. Not not just what we felt, but how would someone who actually likes the meta plots deal with this? And I think they'd be paralyzed every time. Also, there's the um, on a different tangent the fact that the um, adventures or quests or whatever you want to call them adventures um, they were fun enough for the most part, but you also can solve them in like two seconds if you go about it a different way than what the game expects you if, to do. If you have the right powers, yeah. Yeah, if yeah. you have the right powers, or if you just think outside the box. Now, like the school one, we solved in like two seconds, and then we finished it, and we left, and we're like, "So you guys want to do another adventure?" Because we didn't we solved that. Yeah. Now, so like literally the, five minutes. To the game's credit, AMP is not intended for you just to play through the adventures. They're supposed to be there as a starting point for you to make up your own game and. One of the conceits of us playing was we wanted to do everything by the book as by the book as possible. Mm -hmm. So if we were to play this game more traditionally to how we would play it, and we were already skirting the line with our characters and how oh, fucking insane they were. Skirting it, okay. But no, um, we, we, passed we were crazy as fuck, but at least we, you know, 
did we, the we, quest. We tried our damnedest. <laughs> we didn't ignore them. We didn't say quests were done. We went right in. We're like, we want to do this. Had we played this game traditionally, we would have ignored every single one of those plot points and done our own thing until year, until time would have passed and we'd be in year two. Murdered the queen bee, taken over that whole organization. I hit her in the head with a tire iron until she stopped moving, and then we're and then take off her bee crown that I assume she has, wear it on our heads, covered in blood, and be like, now we're John Stamos and Clone High, we're prom king. Which is basically what we did in the final episode, where those assassins, those rival, were being like, shitty to us, so we murdered them, yeah. and it like a. The top floor. Yeah. And did you we invent? Them. Did you invent one brand new amp NPC for this game? I did. Did you? Yes. Um. Was the Beastmaster. Well, yes. Oh, yes. Beastmaster. Beastmaster. Oh, yeah. Beastmaster. Doctor Doors. Doors. You invented Doctor Doors? Yeah. I thought he was an NPC in the game. No. Um. I invented yeah. Beastmaster, Doctor Doors. Uh. I also invented. Um. Cage character. Obviously, well, Who? Cave invented Cave's character. Oh, he was here for one second. Oh, oh right. that guy! <laughs> Your friend! Our, our main, friend. Um, yeah. Frost or whatever, right? No, he, no, was the other guy. he was the guy with the bear arms. He had the right <laughs> to bear arms, remember? I don't remember. I remember him being here, but I thought he played Frost. No, no. Alright, so that's uh, three. Um, what about that psycho kid? Psycho no, kid. No, he's an established yeah, character. I okay. don't think I created more than those three. Alright, so one of them was a PC. So, yeah, you so invented two NPC apps, two NPCs, and, that, and we went through seven entire that was adventures. Only because it was the very that was on the first session too. I created those guys because we weren't going through the. We ended up yeah. The first session was the module yeah yeah, and he made things really easy for us in the school episode where we could just load all the people we chloroformed. Yeah, Doctor Doors was so powerful. I assumed he was a book NPC. Yeah, no, Doctor Doors. I did make him a little bit more powerful than the book. Kind of. Maybe that'd be the not detriment of that adventure then. Uh, yes, by a little bit, but not by much. Like yeah. I made him able to teleport to anything he's opened, basically. Whereas the book is like you can teleport to anything in a hundred kilometers. And I'm oh, like, yeah, well, even with a hundred kilometers, we could have done whatever we yeah. demo, please. So yeah. I was like, is there really like unless we're in Antarctica, of, this isn't going to affect like, us? I was like, okay, well, instead of him being able to go anywhere within a hundred kilometers. He can just go to anything that he's open. Because then it's like, okay, you've never been in your neighbor's house. You can't teleport into your neighbor's house. I don't care that it's 20 feet away. So I, I figured that was the balancing in my mm-hmm. mind. Well, even with the 100 kilometer one, you could just open it, like, a go every 100 miles, open it, or open a door, uh, yeah. go through it. And then open another door. Yeah, it would just be our characters walking through, like, a convenience store, into the bathroom. Disappearing. Yeah, he would have been fine. Until he was out of, like, four juice, at which case he would be, like, 400 kilometers away. Here's an energy drink. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So. The juice controls your travel. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so we didn't need to have a need to invent any NPCs, because there are are many in Ampere. And they're great. I mean, there are... Complex characters, and I could have done them differently. Funny story, you know Stacy Winters? Actual real fucking human being who the character's named after who reached out to me on RPG.net. Oh. We were so mean to that character. <laughs> she started talking to us? Really? Yeah, she, she started texting, uh, She's like, uh, Facebook me messaging me. <laughs> Not Facebook messaging, RPG.net messaging. named after her? Or? It's named after her. Oh. She was... I'm not too clear what it was. I think she might have been a... I think she made that character for, like, a con game or beta testing. Oh, and now she's a character. 
And in like book two and three, she becomes an insane cannibal monster. <laughs> we tried to blow her up with nitroglycerin. We tried to blow her up with nitroglycerin. How did she feel about that? She thought it was great. She was in really good spirits about it. It was pretty Actually, cool. Everybody, because we have, we were reached out by a few other people from you know, the, the AMP community and the AMP creators. Even. Yeah, you you always follow us on Twitter. So, I mean, the, the AMP community is great, and they're very wonderful for just having fun with the game. So that's one huge point in the game's favor. Yeah, um, you know, Eloy seems great. He's not uh, atrocious like some other devs we've interacted with. Um, <laughs> Nicole pointed at me because my, because you know, my name's Devin. So devs, very good, Nicole. Um, but as far as the game goes, I, I think. Oh, oh yeah, thanks. Uh, as far as the game goes, yeah. The, the first book needed a section to tell you how it was all going to play out in broad strokes. Yeah, it's actually interesting. That all the way up to year five. The timeline comes before character creation in the book. That's fine. That, that makes sense. Well, no, like, I, I, I mean, this is I understand just, the statement that you're trying yeah. to infer. I, I get that. Yeah. You know, that, that is a statement of the game before character creation. We're going to tell you how the game's going to play out timeline-wise. I get that. Which is cool, but... But... If you're going to do an Orpheus-style metaplot, or if you're going to do a kind of, you know, we're going to break this game up into... Yours are breathtakingly short, depending on what kind of games you're playing. So, mm-hmm. if you're going to do that, then you need to give people more concise information about how it's going to turn out, so they know what to avoid in anticipation of what they're going to be reading next. Yeah. I mean, it's the internet, so if you wanted all these books, you could just get them, whatever. But, again... Cut back to that super fan who's like, I bought Ampere 1, and we're going to all play it, and we're all excited for it, but we don't want to spoil Ampere 2 before I buy it, but we also don't want to fuck up the game before we buy Ampere 2 and have to redo our campaign. Yeah. I guess they could just redact stuff, but it's like, oh, that person actually survived. Yeah. Like I say, without having to retcon their own game, yeah. in the event they you know legitimately want to go through that meta plot. Which takes a lot of agency away, unfortunately, so... But people like that, and that's yeah. fine. For There's me, um, the I would have preferred if the factions were set up like they were. Like they have their motivations, you know what they are. They're well fleshed out or whatever, um, and then you have like their goals and stuff. But there's not so much of a time, like a hard timeline. It's just these are what these um, these are what these organizations want, and your characters can interact with them or whatever. Yeah, that's but much more my. I style. did expediate some of the stuff in the plot just yeah. because the nature of Yeah, and that's expected in any game. Yeah. So that's fine. It's not like there was a rule we were breaking other than our own kind no. of we were doing kind of our own self-imposed rules. Yeah. Um I didn't like the f- Okay, as a whole I didn't like the factions, but individually I liked factions. What do you mean? As a whole I thought the factions were fairly weak. Like like they're like all the if you put all the factions together in a big pot I would label that pot weak. They're very cliche. Yeah. Individually, mm. also, though, I liked parts of each individual faction. I thought they were good. But taken all together, I, I did not like them. Also, like, the organization that's supposed to be the good guys is so clearly evil. It's like, they're evil. They're sterilizing people and, like, all this other stuff. They're yeah. clearly evil. And I don't know if that's leading to stuff in later years or if that's just unintentional. I mean, part. that happened in, in Aberrant. Uh, Team Tomorrow and the Utopia Foundation turned out to be secret bad guys that are sterilizing the Aberrants. Hmm. Right? Except like, it's just, you know, out in the open in this one. 
Yeah. Well, it's not fully out in the open. Because they don't tell their members that they're Oh, there. never mind. Then, yeah, it's it's just like Project Utopia and Team Tomorrow in Aberrant, then. Yeah. Um, which is fine, but Aberrant had a lot more nuance to it and has had 20 years of hindsight to look back on how that kind of worked. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm just going to cut it down real quick. Okay. So the Secrets of Enlightenment were basically Project Utopia slash Team Tomorrow from Aberrant. They are the good X-Men Charles Xavier faction that wants to help you control your mutant powers, suppress them if you don't want them, and are secretly sterilizing you. Boom. Typhoon are the aberrant faction from Aberrant, a bunch of miscreants and castouts and people too freaky to live in normal society and band together to live on their own. Changeling. You're changeling. Changeling. Changeling is the aberrants from Aberrant. Sorry. And they fill the exact same role as they did in Aberrant. Typhoon is all of the evil evil organizations in Aberrant. Um, they, they don't really fit one or the other, but they're evil superheroes doing evil stuff. Hell, they could even basically be the Terrigen. Um, the Terrigen are in Aberrant are Aberrants that think they're better than people because clearly they're better than people. They can control fire and stuff. Yeah, they're, they're a mob, basically. And, and Typhoon's Queen Bee and stuff seem to, seem to have reached of a superiority. I mean, she mind-controlled people to do what she wants and yeah. stuff. So she's on top of the totem pole. Also, wasn't she psychic, so she knew everything that was going they, on? Exactly. They never actually give you her powers. I'm sure they'll show up in a future. Yeah, somewhere. they'll show up in the future. I think they just wanted her to be more powerful than year one powers give. So they just, like, just don't even include... Because yeah. technically she's only supposed to show up right near the end, almost. Yeah. So... Uh, what are the other factions? We know that there's secret Human government. First. There's humanity first, which is literally, I think... I think in average you had humanity first as a faction. Like I think they were—that's literally what they were called. No, they were called the Church of the Archangel Michael. Jesus. To even because this was early White Wolf, and they loved to drive home how much religion sucks. <laughs> they loved that shit. So yeah, the Church of the right, the Church of the Archangel Michael, and humanity first, which is the most clansmany thing possible. Uh, they they serve the same role in both games. They are evil, racist, straight-eared humans. That are that just hate people that are different so much, and yet they use the people who are different to do the yeah. Year two and year three introduce uh, stuff for them to not have to use aberrants to be able to fight aberrants like resistor suits, which are mechs and gadgetry, which shows up in year two. Oh right, the Batman are yeah, yeah, Batman. Um, and is there another? Oh, there's the secret government Suicide Squad faction. Uh, which also exists in Aberrant. I just don't remember the name, but they showed up in uh, Freak Expose or something. In both worlds, basically, the government kidnaps the mutants and turns the mutants into murder machines on their behalf. Was there a faction like that? It shows up in year two a little bit more, oh, but a lot of NPCs yeah. you see disappearing in year one end up in that faction oh, that in year two. Sense, yeah. They just bloop, disappear, and then they'll show up again with like masks screwed into their faces and like bomb collars and stuff. Shit. And mind controlled. So, that is the breakdown for Aberrant and Amp, which they've cross pollinated so much that you have to know that the two ideas are related. And that's fine. Uh, we could really use a better Aberrant because Aberrant's kind of atrocious. Um, I would have liked. I found the factions in Amp were weaker than the ones in Aberrant. Uh, and clearly villainous for the most part. Like, even Typhoon seems a little dickish. Well, Typhoon's the mob, obviously. Oh, sorry, Changeling. Oh. Changeling. I yeah. meant to say Changeling. Because Changeling has Dr. Murder Hands, who used his murder hands to murder his assistant and get away with it, and I don't think he feels that bad about it. 
Yeah. What was his name again? Dr. Murder Hands. Like, um, scalpel? Hands? No, Scalper. Scalpel's a different dude. This was, yeah, uh, that was, Scalpel was a different guy. Claws, um, Rex, Reaver, um, Slashy, every, Nail. Every faction had at least one serial killer in it, it felt like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see if I can find that. Um, the Children of Enlightenment had, uh, their, their Charles Xavier isn't a mutant, except he totally is in year two. Dr. Lightbulb. Dr. Light. Uh, who also comes off a bit as Mohinder Suresh from Heroes, actually. Uh, he just he just seems to... He, he kind of comes off as him, and that's cool. Mohinder becomes a mutant in yeah. Heroes, too. That's funny. In one alternate timeline, he becomes a roach monster. Yeah. But he actually, uh, yeah, does have mutations, because Heroes was so poorly written. Just, like, watch the first series season. Don't yeah, watch, watch the first season of, of Heroes. Siler was amazing. The writer's strike did it, bro. Yeah. Just like it fucked up the first few seasons of Gener- Next Generation. It did. Yeah. It did. That use uh, Phase 2 scripts. Anyway. Yeah, his name was Carver. Carver! <laughs> the names, oh god. Oh, Alright, let's talk about the names. We gotta get the negatives out here now. Sponge. The names in AMP suck. Right. I'm just gonna come out and say it. We're kind of terrible yeah, people about this. And you know what's awful about us taking a shit on these names, Kevin? Is that they're awful. They're all from contributors and stuff like that? Yeah, these are probably all beta test characters and con members and and people who are doing first drafts who got their characters included in the book and are super happy that their characters are in the book. And we are taking a shit all over their names. I'll be brutally honest. As someone who's terrible with names myself, I didn't mind them. So, I... No one one asks the shit shoveler what art's like. Like, I I don't... I'm not good with names. I don't... I try to be creative on names, but I'm not great. So, I think kudos be- to the people who try with names, and I, I got nothing against it. For, for all you- okay, the names that stick out for me are Sponge. Because that's a stupid name, especially for a female, to ever name yourself. That's dumb. Um, the bee guy and no, the Dr. Bee guy, the guy I didn't like. His name was Buzz. That's adorable. I don't remember. There was someone whose name we constantly shit on, and then after we killed him, we just made a quip about what his name should have been. And had a good laugh about we it. We did oh, that for was, every um, character. Right? I'll find, I'll find it. Well, yeah, I actually like the Beast guy's name. His name was Buzz. That was adorable. Whatever. Um, <laughs> then there was... Um, um, Critter? Critter's name is okay. Yeah, Critter's name is good. Yeah, alright. Critter's uh, good. There is the guy... No, like, Professor Coldheart or whatever is her name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that woman who tried to seduce us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what was her name? Yeah, no, Jackal? Professor um, Handjob or something? Hardshell. Hardshell. And, and we're like, we're like, so she has armor or something? And then we're like, oh, she has like a cold heart. It's like, okay, like, it's convoluted, but I can Wait, get, I can was Hardshell the, the, the empath? Yeah. Yeah. When he tried she to had seduce Nod, and he was like, yeah. whoa, lady. Whoa, lady, I'm 12. <laughs> really? That was Hardshell? I thought Hardshell was like the Mack Truck guy. No, his name was no, Mac. His name was Mack Truck. I like that. Yeah, Wait, he, he, he worked. Was his given Christian name Mac Truck? No, he, it was <laughs> no, Mac Conroy. And then Conroy, he, like Convoy, like a Mac Con. Jesus yeah. fucking Christ! But no, seriously, the one that also stands out for me is Doctor Scalpel Hands or whatever the hell. Carver. Carver? Yeah, he's like no, 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 no. Carver was the leader of uh, Changeling, All but right. Doctor Scalpel was no, the guy. No, who's the guy that has monster hands? No, 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 no. That's, That's Carver. Carver. Dr. Scalpel was the guy you fought. No, no. You're talking about a third guy. No. There was... Do- yes, because I've read the books. There's Dr. Scalpel, who we tried to murder. 
There is a doctor in changing that has monster hands. And then there is a third guy who is the canon ruler of changeling who has the rogue life-stealing power and killed his girlfriend. No. Either way, yes. we're, talking about Do- we're talking about Dr. Scalpel, who was the serial killer who kept killing people with scalpels. <laughs> His name was Dr. And he Scalpel. got away, if I recall. Yeah! He, I was like, are you fucking kidding me now, man? How do you expect to not get caught for being a serial killer? You can at least change your name to Dr. Feelgood or Dr. Scalpel. Two right? things telling you what his profession is. Um, uh, what was, was that? That was the one that we didn't record. The guy who can steal souls or whatever? That's Conduit. Conduit is the that's leader a, of Changeling. But he has monster hands too because he no. drains people's life. Like They're not actually monsters, but he's a life stealer. Yeah. He's the leader of Changeling. And then there's Dr. Carver with his mo- actual monster. No, 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 not doc- well, I guess he is technically a doctor, but it's just Carver for his name. But, but yeah. Then, yeah. But Carver? Are we going to throw pumpkins at him? But, uh... Then there was the He should have called himself Chet Monster crazy Hands. Person. This is uh, Black Adder or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, he, he had a Diamond 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 Yeah, which made, pretty, which made sense, and it sounds yeah, kind of cool. He was just a weird character. Was a kid too. It, yeah. It's one thing away... Diamondback is one thing away from a Batman assassin who uses snake poison, Copperhead. Oh, yeah. right, that guy who wears yeah. an actual snake costume. It, it was just uh, interesting that they have a, like... A child sociopath archetype? Yeah. We had one, too. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's just he was really... I don't know. I mean, people could have played the NPCs different than I played them, too. Like, it's... I'll admit, part of it's on me as DM Ah. for playing NPCs different ways, but that's my take on it, so that's how... Yeah, yeah, it's just the names really, really (laughs) stuck with us. We just, like, beat up um, Sue Storm, or whatever her name is, Susan Winters. Like, we just, like, beat her up. Robbed her car of her insulin, essentially. He drugged her a bunch, too. <laughs> drugged her a bunch. Tried to blow up her nitroglycerin, and then just left. Also, he murdered that guy in the trunk. Yeah. yeah. Buzz. Dr. Bees. Yeah. We're like, he's a serial killer. We're gonna kill him. He did murder a lot of people. Like, yeah. like 800 children in one go. I think we would have murdered Anya, because it's like, we didn't really want... We were working, like... We were actually we were working to subvert uh, the group we were working for. Once we kind of found out that they were just looking to awful killers, yeah. Right? Some of the child we gave them, yeah. You guys, oh, fireman. Uh, what was his name? Let me find it. Here. That one where we Nova. I think it was child. Phoenix or something like that. Nova or Phoenix. Um, yeah. Um. His name's probably the name of the fucking adventure, the road trip kid. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to find it. Um, I think Phoenix was the name we. Yeah, we suggested like 80 names for this kid. At least I didn't tell you about the guy named Teflon. Oh god, why? There was a guy, one of the people you fought in the, um, the Five Days of Asphalt, which was the one with the kid. Road Trip? One of the guys in Road Trip who you guys managed to avoid fighting was Teflon. What the fuck were his powers? He's a bulk, and, um... Can you fry an egg on him? Is he not watch out! Watch out! I'm gonna use a metal spatula. Uh, no, the he seasoning. He has bulletproof and bl- like bladeproof powers. And he could call himself Kevlar. That's a better name. I just picture him being in that Denny's we hit in. He's just like staring through the uh, <laughs> like we're saying like the kids up. setting him on fire with his fire powers, and he's like touching all the eggs and they're cooking. He's like, look upon my works, ye mighty. Um, Let's go to the better Denny's. <laughs> 
Where's the kid? It's not important yeah. anymore. Yeah, Sponge but, is the one that really stands out for me, though. And then again, they were like 12, or I think they were younger than Nod, so it's understandable that no, she didn't. No, she was like 13, I remember, because we kept saying how he had yeah. net gunned a 13-year-old girl. Oh, right. Um, and I think you guys expected me to care. I just had a net gun. I was happy to be existed. <laughs> I love how you, you asked if you could have one, and, and you, they're like, oh yeah, and you're like, holy shit, those are real? I thought that was made up. I thought it was a cartoon thing. Grappling. <laughs> yeah, I shot someone with it, or I shot into a window, and it never worked after that. <laughs> I think they took it away from you after. That makes sense. That's that's a good good move. Uh, all right. They took all their shit away after. Moving away from the names of the NPCs that were Kickstarter backers. Powers. Maybe we should talk about powers. Yeah, yeah, powers are probably the next sticking point. Um, super OP. But not for the reasons you'd think, listeners. A lot of the ones that were really, really easy to manipulate and do shit with were either undefined to the point where you could just do anything with them. Yeah, yeah. Like, your powers, for example, were... My elemental powers, where I can... I was going to start with Kevin, sorry. Oh, Oh, no. Uh, On Iromancy. Yeah, on Iromancy's not defined at all. You know, what did you get? You got Dreamwalk, uh, Dream Object, Dreamscape. Dreamscape mm. was the major one. That was yeah. just what, what are the limits to it? What can and can it, it do? Basically. And even as he's activating it, he can do damage with it. Like it takes a certain time to activate all the way, but even as it's activating, he can still do a bunch of fucking damage. Yeah, that's... And what, what does it create? What are what are its upper limits? It's like illusion. Illusion is another one where if you activate enough illusions, you create this world that it says in it. People are at your mercy, so it's like, Our what's, the, what's the limit? Your imagination. There is no limit, apparently. Yeah, exactly. Like, how is that even going to be dealt with in two and three, where these guys are getting more fucking powerful? Yeah, it says the um, this changes the environment, making it anything you want. Um, the entire well, area doesn't change all at once. It's eleven minus your nyromancy skill minutes to change it, which was three minutes or four minutes, I think, for Kevin. Yeah. Um. However, during this period, the amp can still make quick enough changes to attack others, such as creating a river of lava beneath their feet. What does that mean? That means you just kill them instantly, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. There's, there's environmental damage stuff, but yeah, yeah. I, could just, I could murder anyone. I could Turn everything it. to lava. Or take the air away. Turn everything into hydrochloric yeah. acid. Chlorine but gas. Once complete, Dreamscape lasts for the whole scene, or until the amp is killed or knocked out, or just chooses to end it. They can inflict, inflict. You can choose to end it? The entire game, we're like, oh, he can't turn it off. Fuck, we're gonna have to knock him out or, like, just leave. This is just gonna be here. It was the ultimate high chloroform. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they, if successful in creating it, they basically do Oniromancy divided by two damage, like, almost a, every turn. Yep. Which. Again, your Nyromancy was like 8, so you're doing 4 damage every turn, and characters have, what, like 10 health? Or something yeah. like that, yeah. So, and again... And that was just, like, the dream powers that you most people wouldn't even look at, because they are like, lame. And, that, and that's just and, like, the damage Kevin, also, You have a knack for doing that, though. You'll pick, like, a power that, like, no one even cares about, and you'll be like, this is my power! And everyone's like, oh, okay, that's kind of weird or whatever, and you're like, I can kill all of you. <laughs> what the, yeah, Performance, like, what, what the dodge, and a martial art nobody cares about. <laughs> like, what, what the fuck, Kevin? Uh, um, then there was this dude's powers. I had turned water to wine, and apparently that let me create nitroglycerin. Yeah. Anything. Um, water to anything. Yeah, there's no Water limit. to wine. 
change the makeup of water in any way they wish. Changing the water to wine is most famous, but they can purify salt water or whatever, or they can turn water into poison that deals three bleeding damage if ingested. But like, that's just like... But it says I can turn into anything, right? Yeah. You kind of glossed over the exactly. middle Exactly. That's what I mean. It's like, they go into detail about things that... No one would ever use like, once you they had anything, anything. that exists. Yes. And you're like... Water to chlorine gas. Wealth is pointless when you can yeah. just make LSD out of water. Uh, I would really like Eloy to, to weigh in on this if there's a part of the book we missed. Um, I, with the caveat that nobody will take... Uh, the the GM is supposed to rein it in because that is not valid. Yeah. If the GM is supposed to rein in these powers, these powers need to be written differently. Because then they get to ar- they have to argue if the player chose it, and that's right. Just... It's like, hey, I want to make LSD. It's like, how do you know? I've adjusted LSD, or I'm an LSD scientist, or like, yeah, yeah that's what they was... cannot be arbitrary I, like this. I, I was actually mentioning that to uh, Nicole while we were driving here because I thought that the power said um, that I you, you had, had to had know it. No, I made that up. That oh, was a limit I put onto the character to try and rein in water to wine. Still, that as you say, like once you guys stop, like okay, here's the first step you do. Let's say you've never drank anything before in your life. You go and you take a shot of tequila. Now you can make tequila. Now you give you a mouse then, a cookie. Exactly. You then have a barrel of tequila. You give to the mob and say, what will you give me for this barrel of tequila? I would like a few, bl- a, a handful of blotters of LSD. That's it. Yeah. All right, here's a barrel of LSD. LSD. I want better LSD now. Yeah. Like a little thimble of really good LSD. Yeah, like you just, exactly. The give them out a cookie kind of thing. Yeah. So just go into a liquor store and buy everything. It's buy money. one thing in the liquor store to get trade for money to buy everything else in the liquor store. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the infinite escalation and, yeah. and, and the that creation was, powers are just insane. Like Aberrant solved this quite nicely because, as we all know, or, well, as I know, because this is something I've always known about Aberrant, you can't create anything with Aberrant. The powers in Aberrant are only good for murder. <laughs> like, you can't create water or turn water into something else in Aberrant. Mm-hmm. Nothing that lasts. Yeah. Which was a weapon. Yeah, which was a problem I was trying to make uh, yeah, this character in Aberrant. Where it says the oniromancy stuff fades or, like, disappears, this doesn't say that things change back, which is the whole issue. Like, if the water to wine changed back, then it would be not... Like, it would still be OP, because, you know, you could still nitroglycerin and whatever you want. Yeah, you're not doing that explosion. But the whole selling whatever you want couldn't be an option. Or you could, but it wouldn't work twice because people would be on to you. There are two options here. One, these powers are as open-ended as they have been presented as, which means this game is a high-powered on the same level as exalted scale of game. Yeah. Because once you have the person who figures out Oniromancy or Water to Wine, and I, I bet you there are others we didn't see. Water to Wine see. is like a level... Again, you guys made level one characters. Now, maybe we... Somehow screwed up between the four of us. We really did. It's really straightforward. So then, as far as we know, the water to wine, all you need is um, the ability to walk in on water, which is a level one ability. So it's a level two, like on the skill tree, water to wine is the second thing you can pick, which is at a level one character, you have to at least be able to pick one second thing. If you can't pick... 
you can only pick two things on the skill tree, which you guys can pick more from at level one, but like if you could only pick two, which is a very low limitation, you could still do water to wine and you could still become OP instantly. Yeah, I'm still creating chlorine gas. It's Vimy yeah, Ridge all over again. Yeah, it's the same with Dreamscape. It's fairly Ooh. low on the chart. So yeah. One, the power scales, because they are unchecked, this game is over-exalted levels of insanity. Like, I don't understand how the Metaplot can even hold up to any elemental creates a gallon of nitroglycerin in a barrel and donkey conks it at any single gathering of these NPCs. Not everyone is going to survive a nitroglycerin explosion. Look out, Mr. President. <laughs> exactly. Like, even... Okay, so there's one aspect. So either th this is just broken by how it's been left to describe, or the second option I see is that somewhere in the book, and the book is fairly short, we missed something that reigns these powers in. All right? And I really need Eloy to comment on this. Yeah. Like, if there's a line somewhere that says, amps are only able to create simple substances, or amps, any amp power ever created, maybe there's a guideline for creating rules that we missed. Where it's like, no matter what, amp abilities fade after an hour. You can never keep stuff around longer than a minute. The energies just don't hold up. If that is the case, it needs to be more prevalent because all four of us missed it on multiple read-throughs trying to make sure we weren't breaking the game yeah. with water to wine. Yeah. <laughs> like the simplest thing. On a side note about powers, um, I've always found teleportation powers interesting in the regards of... If you have, a, like, Dr. Doors, who, it's, his power is, you basically, like, open a door and it goes to somewhere new. Now, I don't know if he physically needs to open the door and then it becomes somewhere new, or if the, it's just a doorway and it becomes somewhere new. Because if it's just a doorway and it becomes somewhere new, what if someone's standing halfway in that doorway? Do they get cut in half? Uh, because I believe there's also a power where he can just make it appear in air anywhere, because I think I was the one who limited him to, it has to be in a doorway. I'd assume if he opened a portal, it would it would it would either move a little bit or that person would get pushed by like the explosion of it happening. I guess, but I've never, you know, they don't address it. <laughs> yeah, like it, and a lot of other games and a lot of other things. Like this is actually something I've thought about way before even amped. Like people who have the power to create just a portal, does it just slice people in half? Like if you just. Or does it push them away? Or do, as you say, does it move the portal? Does it move the person? Yeah, does it, does it give it a little buffer like thing? That. Like that. Little... we know in Stargate, it fucking cuts people in half. Yeah, so things like that you which die. add that little bit of depth to the power. In, in Amp's defense, it is a yeah. it is a rules-like game. I don't know if it's it built as such, yeah. but it is extremely easy-breezy. Oh, and it's, mechanics, it's nice that way. Yeah, Even mechanics my, barely came up. Yeah, and like my character, um, the strength powers don't really seem worth it compared to all these other people's powers. It's like... Barrel I, Nitro. It's like, oh, yay, I'm a little bit stronger than a normal person. Like, it did not seem like I could hold up against any supervillains. Uh, the speed, though. I was going, like, at first level, I was going so fast people couldn't see me. I was going fast, so fast. We run up water, run on water, run up buildings, or chloroform a hundred children in less than a minute. <laughs> like... It seems like great care was given to the combat basic abilities like endurance, power, strength, laser blasts. Yeah, those all seem but, pretty balanced with each other. And then but, you have the other ones. Yeah, but stuff. exactly. Really cool. the, the wizard powers got added because all the, the fighter stuff, it's just like in D&D. &D. The fighter stuff is very linear and balanced against itself. But the wizard stuff is quadratic. It exponentially increases in power as soon as you start taking it. Create water. 
at extreme, exceedingly bigger uh, amounts. Create yeah. water out of anything. Yeah, and that's the thing with your powers, too. You not only had water one, you could then create water. Well, yeah, so you, you, had you could miss mix. that step, too. So you didn't you didn't even need water on hand, yeah. You, you just created mist and then you watered to wind the mist because mist is water. Now maybe yeah. as a DM I should have been like mist isn't water, but then again that's like it that's totally the DM is water, in, yeah. like sh- that's it that should say that. Necessary. It should yeah. just say it in the power if it's intentional or not. Yeah. It should just let us know. And I think they this the water power specifically could just be fixed by saying water to wine. The the, the very first buy of it of water to wine is all like you can do simple liquids or whatever and you're like what would you define as simple liquids it's like stuff you could and you'd find some sort of gate for it because stuff you could buy at a store and stuff under the sink you could make some pretty fucking crazy shit with stuff you find under the sink yeah. uh, saying any simple element gets even weirder because elements are weird but if but what drew me to the power system was it had all these little it had this augment system on it so you had water wine as a power, and then you could just have little augments that treat off of it that made water wine more complex. Mm-hmm. And then you yeah. can work up to nitroglycerin guy. But it doesn't matter if we fix water to wine with any of that. The entire power system's paradigm looks like it needs an overhaul. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the vision or the the, the, the the yeah, the vision or the design philosophy behind Amp's powers needs to get a second look at. Because for a group of people who spend a lot of time, you know, analyzing stuff, making sure that we're reading the rules right, making sure we're doing it uh, rules as intended, it seems really intended that you do whatever the fuck you want with some of these more abstract powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it makes us that like, I was like, I'm gonna build like you know standard superhero type character. I'm gonna a be brick. strong and fast. That's simple. And you guys are like, I'm gonna pick weird powers. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm probably gonna you know have to carry the fighting. No. Not my at death all. My, my, my biggest thing that I did in games, besides core farming all those kids once again, was putting you guys where you needed to go so you guys could deal with the problem. Throw me at them. Right? Fire me, boy. Like, that was the biggest thing I did, and I helped NPCs escape. Yeah. Um, I had a thing for that. I, I had a thing to follow that up, but... Yeah, you're right. Um... Our characters are. I think. I think the reason Oniromancy and Water were written the way they were was to save word count. Because mm. you want Oniromancy to do weird shit, right? But you don't want to spend three times that you writ on that you spent on, say, super strength, mm. writing up the specific guidelines for Oniromancy. Yeah, and they did have like they obviously did t- try to put some reins on like Dreamscape and stuff like that. But there were augments that just made it like like you can only affect. You can only pull dreams from people who are asleep. It's like, no, I can just use it while they're awake. You can only be touching them. No, now I can do it from distance. So it's... Yeah. Um, even even the character creation is designed in such a way to rein in your choices. And I felt character creation rules were really, really limiting for what kind of character well, you can make. interesting uh-huh. that... Though I was saying, again, to Nicole on our way here, we were brainstorming kind of getting ourselves ready for this. Yeah, ch- kind of trying to remember uh, everything because it's been a while. Yeah. And we were saying, because like in character creation, it, it kind of wants you to have three powers. Once you have a main power, primary, second, secondary, and tertiary. tertiary. And with the powers decreasing in strength as you get them. But it punishes you it for doing so. It punishes you greatly doing so because like you're given, for lack of better words, I don't remember how many it was, but let's say 10 points of 
experience you can put into power. Oh yeah, there were ten points because I put all ten into water. And exactly, <laughs> and like you could have put, as Devin said, all ten points into water, and then make the most powerful water character or the most like strongest amp or something. But the game kind of wanted you to go. No, no, let's put four into water and then the other six into the other things. Or yeah, three. And it's like, why would I do that when I can be the best at this? It gets worse, actually, just because I wanted to bring that up. So you have your primary, which you can have an unlimited amount of points in. So I went elemental and I just cranked up the fuck out of water. Mm-hmm. And then you have your secondary, which I think can only go up to like 50% power. And then your tertiary, which can only go up to like 20% no, power. I think it, was, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's not yeah. important. So... I built my character, and I wanted him to have a bunch of stuff. Uh, Alan Smithy was supposed to be a very different character once the mutation rules were out. He was supposed to become a character we called the Serpent of Eden, which was like this mutant water dragon hydra thing that had more eel heads. Right? So I'm like, okay, I want to build this guy, but the mutation rules aren't out. So what powers do I think I'd want this character to have? And then I'm like, oh, well, I only have 50% power to any other power in my secondary, so... I guess no matter what, because I want him to be like a water god, I, I better max out water, even though I didn't really want water. Because I want him to be able to like crawl on walls or have like bendy bones and stuff like elasticity gave you. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, well, I guess my 50%, my secondary power better be whatever the ones are for endurance or regenerating or, or something. Or whatever. Yeah. And, then, and then your tertiary is even weaker. I'm like, oh, I guess that's where bendy bones will go. But here's the kicker. I wanted to build this really unique character, and I'm waiting for the mutation stuff in year three. He wasn't going to mutate till year three. But because all of the powers aren't out yet for year two and year three, uh-huh. I was afraid of giving him more than one power at ten because if you choose your secondary power, it's locked in. If you choose your tertiary, it's locked in. So I didn't want to yeah. ruin my build before I knew what was coming in year two and year three. Also, so oh, just just to, just to link this back to being the legitimate player who wants to play through the game, I legitimately wanted to wait and build my character the way all these different options would show up in the later years. And because the books aren't physically out yet, decision paralysis set in, so I just built a guy who had 10 water. Yeah, it rewards you for specializing. Yeah, it uh, does. Because it specifically rewards you for specializing because not only can your tertiary and secondary powers not go as high as your primary, which makes some sense, I guess. Yeah. Um, But it also costs more and more XP. Like, your primary powers cost 1 XP to upgrade. Your secondary powers cost 2 XP. And your tertiary was three. Now I'm, I'm obviously like getting four. the numbers. It was exponentially more yeah, difficult. I, I'm obviously getting the numbers wrong, but it, it costs more to upgrade the powers that were shittier. Yeah, and it should have been the opposite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the game would have... If you had just said it costs three to upgrade your primary, two, and then one for your tertiary, or... Make it whatever. harder to upgrade your primary because yeah. your primary has no upper limit. Exactly. And plus also, you need to upgrade that in order to be able to upgrade the other Oh, ones. yeah, your primary has to be super high to upgrade your secondary and yeah. your tertiary. Yeah, your primary it's a step always ladder. needs to be above your... Which would make it even more prevalent to make it more expensive, because if you make your primary more expensive, then it's like, okay, it acts, it acts like a uh, gateway. Yeah. It, it acts like the blood power score from Vampire, where you can't make your powers go a certain level unless your power stats up. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like a better idea just to, uh, you know, once you get your primary power up, just invest everything in your skills. Because it's, yeah. better, it's a better use of your I points. Mean, yeah. Or uh, yeah, you know, once then, you max out your primary, max out your skills a bunch, and then go into secondary and tertiary. But XP, I, I, I never spent it. In the seven sessions we played, listeners, I never spent one experience point. Because you were already the best. Well, one, everything's fucking expensive. 
for what we get out. Like, oh, we went yeah. through standard... We went at the has, higher end of XP yeah, give out. Yeah, has a fairly high amount of XP, I thought. And I never spent XP once. And two, again, I was terrified to spend XP on stuff until the new books came out to let me know what powers I wanted to do so I didn't ruin my character build because I had a vision for what I wanted my character to be. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, the metaplottiness of it and the promise of more and without having cliff notes early on, how the how it all build, locks you into your build, it all stopped me from ever advancing my character. So I went through seven sessions and we steamrolled through a good chunk of those adventures with a yeah. level one character who just could make nitroglycerin and LSD. <laughs> it also makes me oh. wonder how you're going to, like, because in year two and up, they're going to have powers, but you can't specialize in those. Yeah, what happens to characters who start in year one? Do they not get to do they not get to get the benefit of your three, four, and five powers? If they if they're suckers and a character creation made a primary, secondary, and tertiary? Yeah, like do yeah. they have to just save up their points for Do they have to build a new character? Does the GM have to deign to allow them to do a retcon of their build? Though I wonder if there's like some meta plotty thing where it's like, oh, some weird flux happened and your powers mutated, so Um I, I know that in year three the you can actually get mutation points in the very same way in Aberrant you can gain taint to taint the node you had in your head uh, to pick up extra powers. I know that exists. To take up like a fourth, mm -hmm. like a fortiary or whatever. But it's not out yet. A quatriary, yeah. But it's not out yet. Yeah. And if you follow the, the Can you look up that word for me? If you follow the power scheme of primary, secondary, tertiary, a fourth power would be even harder to raise. Right? So even if you had all these cool new powers, like in Ampere 3, there's a power to make you a ghost rider. Like you control a car and it catches on fire and it's like a living thing connected to you, right? Yeah. Well, you're only gonna get like like out of ten, you're gonna get like power level two or three out of it tops. Right. So uh, the game punishes you from playing early. Sorry. Primary, secondary, tertiary, quatriary, quintiary, quiniary, seniary, okay, seniary, octonary, non nonanary, denary, denary. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> th this is the problem with how the the character creation and the, and the advancement system are built. I was utterly uninterested in leveling up my character because I was waiting for a supplement to come out. Because I didn't want to... Because we, we expected this game to go into year two and stuff before we decided to take a break and Ian went back to school. Yeah. But I was utterly uninterested in advancing my character. I never had had a moment where I needed to advance my character because of how the powers are written. And I think that's a big red flag. Mm-hmm. Mm. It also doesn't help that, like... A lot of other characters probably wouldn't come across that type of problem because they wouldn't think outside the box like that. Like, being like, oh, water and wine, that's cool. I can make alcohol. Oh, I can make LSD. Oh, I can make nitroglycerin and explode everything. Chlorine like, gas. Right? Like, not everyone would think of that, but the rules allow it, so... Yeah. And, I mean, not everyone would think of it, but once you think of it... It's a genie. Eventually, you will think of, like, well, what if I do this? What if I... You know, once you get creative enough with it... It, as you say, it's a, you've now opened the floodgates. Yeah, the so genie's out of the bottle. Yeah, there's no there's now, no going back. A competent way to deal with that, like a, like a way that should be done. If, I, I imagine Amp will, after year five comes out and it's all done, we'll get a revised edition. Maybe an edition that even collates all of the rules into one book. I can see that happening in the future, and I, I look forward to that. But Again, a, a, we, we really would like this to oh, continue, but it is as, as Amp is a buy Devin for us. Said. Yeah, as Devin said, though, it is unfortunately a 
screaming child that needs to be fed, and in order for people to feed it, you need to like it. And we yeah. like it, but... Well, that's why we're doing this yeah. podcast. We wanna, we, we're we going to air out the problems we have and also talk about what we like, but, you know... Anyway, like, like I was saying, um, Amp is a buy, but a good game would preempt these questions, like, can I make nitroglycerin? Does Oniromancy let me make everything? Uh, do powers yeah. fade over time? It would preempt it by saying, yes, you can do this. Here's how difficult it is. So players yeah. who would never think of it do think of it. Yeah. And players who do think of it have rules to go by. Sorry, with the Oniromancy, it specifically says you can make a river of lava under their feet. Right? It also says now, your dreams, but it's like, yeah. who are they to say what my dreams are? Yeah. Right? Exactly. You're a reality so, alterer. Yeah. If you can You're make an a Iromancer. river of lava under their feet, and it's only, according to the game, it's only supposed to do... Oniromancy divided by two damage every turn. Yeah, because it's probably which, not real lava. Yeah, it's energy lava. Sense. Dream lava. Which makes sense. But if again, if your Oniromancy is eight, then you're doing four damage to them every turn. And the rules incentivize you to and, max out one power. Yeah, and if you're doing... And again, the characters have... I don't think any of you had more than 12 health. I will double check on yeah, that. Yeah, I, I don't remember. But... I but, really uh, don't. So in three turns, not to mention the psychological trauma of being in a freaking river of lava. Right? So, yeah, most non-amps would probably just die on the spot. Also, you have to remember that if you're trying to limit it by, say, dreams, an Oniromancer, even by dint of the word and dint of an Oniromancer in popular fiction, are lucid dreamers. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they are, culturally speaking. So they can make their own dreams. We are the makers. And yes, Gene Wilder right there. Uh, so, uh, I think integrity was health? It's like integrity plus endurance or something, or whatever, and that gives you your base health or some nonsense. Yeah, uh, Nicole was wrath with, I think, the highest health. because Oh, mine so was low. so low. Yeah, and I think yours was 13. So again, yeah, in three That's three turns, turns, you've killed someone. You're dead. And you had 10 health, and then Nod, because he was a child, I think he had slightly less. Nod had 8 health. So in two turns, Nod kills himself, basically. <laughs> it, or it kills another child. And then, because you guys were amps, you actually had more health. Like, I think the standard human had, like, 6 or something. Yeah. So, in a First turn and a characters half, just kill everything. Yeah. And, and like, if that's supposed to be the power difference between amps and humans, yeah, like, that's fine. That's, that but that's all what the setting puts into yeah. place. Yeah. Year one for amp uh, paints a picture of people not knowing superheroes exist and being like a shadow kind of thing that slowly builds up until year two happens. And and by year two, people are like, amps exist. We understand that mutants are among us. Yeah, but then they have that episode where the bees kill everyone, and it's like, and and it takes place in modern times. I have fucking cell phones. Yeah, I have yeah. Instagram. Yeah, that feels like the major divide is it takes place in modern times. Most most like superhero games take place in like the eighties or the nineties, where those things or are just a time a time that isn't. But just anyone with a smartphone at this point could be like, click. Well, that's what the whole Battle of Reno thing was supposed to be: is when there actually like is enough amps out in the wild. Not well, I say in the wild, but out in the real world doing something and people start taking pictures and cell phones and that's how the battle of reno gets out yeah and before that it was supposed to be like all of you guys were trying to hide and not america's going huge along. so you can easily but, lose a few you know chupacabras or alien encounters or weird shit in america yeah. it's enormous yeah people would be so, like that's an edit exactly like, yeah. yeah but then the battle of reno happens 
and then it's it's out there. Kind or of the American DEA, you know, the Drug Enforcement Agency. It's like, huh, eighty five thousand tons of liquid LSD are being transported <laughs> in our borders, and it's the purest shit ever. Every single batch is identically pure. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, none of our characters were very subtle. My character walked around in sunglasses and pajamas to hide his horrible mutations. Your character just. Went to bars and sold massive gallons of... I made it in a tub! And your character went into a dark room in an office and sat there for eight hours every sat day. Sat there and drank. <laughs> right? You saw me go to a building. Also, she was ripped. It's like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, there, there are disconnects between the mechanics, the intended effects of the mechanics, because the intended effects are not supposed to be this high scale, and it's supposed to encourage spreading out your abilities, but they do not incentivize that. And it's a disconnect between the meta plot, which is supposed to be a very low-powered game, it looks like, until it starts to ramp up. But it's not a low-powered game because the abilities let you make nitroglycerin. Uh, out of air, out of people, out of the water in people's eyeballs. Um, yeah. There's a lot of thematic issues like, that we, we encountered. That, and I swear to Christ, if there's just, like, a thing in the book we missed, I would be embarrassed. But I would also be a little sad that it was that easy to miss. Like, if there's like, a disclaimer like or a water note wine somewhere... Being like, the water in your cup turns to this. That that simplistic of a rule, like, yeah, you could still turn the water in your cup to nitroglycerin, but you couldn't... That's a lot of nitroglycerin. Yeah, but you couldn't, like, it, it, it becomes less widespread and less... Or even ideas. just making the difficulty higher. You, know, you have to roll yeah. a higher roll for more complex substances, and they give you a guideline, and you're supposed to let the DM figure it out. Yeah. That's great, because you'll always get the guy like, uh, what was that fucking guy saying that we hated? Uh, Which had, one? Uh, <laughs> We're us, Devin. I know, right? Uh, he always wanted to play a glow cloud in Star Trek. Brian. Yeah, yeah. You'll always get players like him that'll take an inch and turn it into a mile as far as examples go. So yeah. if it's, say, hyper-complex to make gold, he'll be like, all right, I won't make gold. How hard would it be to make aluminum? And it's like, why do you want to make aluminum? It's not that complicated. It's like, because aluminum sells at the same price point on the, on the metals market. And you're like, hmm... That's a really good idea. You'll get people like that that try to push it and find ways around, but but giving guidelines would have been a better idea than just saying level two power, do what you will with the whole cloth cloth of the law. Yeah. Also, as your water powers went up, you could just do it with more, more and more and, and more and more. Eventually, the whole of Lake yeah, Erie is nitroglycerin. Like, is LSD the entire it was lake? Water times. 10 liters or something is what you could affect. Stupidly <laughs> high. It was amazing. Yeah. At that point, you're basically Captain Planet. You just purify everything. Oh, and yeah, there, there are amp powers called augers or whatever. Like, there, there are powers that let you augment other amp powers, like a battery booster. Oh, right. And, if I, and I think there's some of them that if you take them in a specific way, they, like, increase the potency by, like, a factor. So it could have been, like, instead of 100 liters, it's 10,000 liters every second, as long as I'm in Lake Erie here. All the oceans are clean. Of LSD. Now they're <laughs> All the fish are dying, frothing at the mouth. You ruined our planet! I think did you I, mean better. I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I think you mean I fixed my island Earth that I live on. <laughs> yeah, because you, you would become a god because no one could drink without you turning You'd all, you'd all die and it'd just be water. one dude walking around being high all the time and all the lakes are made of rainbow LSD. Magic song playing. Yeah, magic yeah. man! Uh, yeah, no, and I mean, you guys didn't even, like, look into, like, there was technology powers which allowed you to control. We like, didn't even try to optimize. We I just know. took straight powers. 
or two or three of the characters, and one person built a combat character. And, like, the shadow powers, where you literally just, like, can walk along the shadow and then kill, like, that's how there's a assassin character in the books. That My first aberrant out. character was a shadow mancer. Like, he was a dude that controlled shadow powers as an aberrant. Yeah. Uh, I didn't, I didn't <coughs> want to revisit that. that yeah. No, there, there's some neat powers in the game. They just need to be explained better. And or I mean, thematically brought together as a whole to tell us what amp powers are supposed to be. Because what are amp powers? In aberrant, you're manipulating quantum energy. Like, you're, you're, you're doing Planck scaling and stuff. So that's why you never make anything that lasts, and everything has a short duration, and it's usually destruction or rewriting people's minds, but th- even that's a little hard. Because in Aberrant, you have, um, it's part of a trilogy, it's the middle part, and in the future, you get psychic-based mutants called Scions, and they're much better at controlling a different level of quantum reality mechanics that isn't as brutal, that lets you create objects, and let you manipulate people subtly and stuff. And it's not less powerful, it's just different. Novas or aberrants are like a brute force destroying whatever they want with the power of their mind. Syads are much more delicate and have much finer control. What the fuck are amps? Are they mutants? They I are. mean, the backstory is that it's superhero serum projects, and that's yeah. what each one of the amp types is. Right, yeah. yeah a superhero a serum. serum that basically. But what did that serum drag. unlock? Because even if you want to take this at face value for speculative fiction, there's no serum that lets you control water. Yeah. There's no serum that makes you psychic. There's no serum that makes you a reality alterer. Where does amp power come from? You know, is it an alien concept? Is it nano machines we're not a, we're not aware of that like, and that's what's doing all this stuff? Is it actually magic? I think amp powers are just. I think they exist to emulate superheroes in fiction, so people can play a superhero game. And I think they would benefit greatly from having a, a thematic origin for all of them. Because amps come from the same place. They come from that project, MKUltra. Yeah, the, one, the one project basically had... Not MKUltra. Yeah, basically had a bunch of survivors yeah. that went out and bred. And yeah. the amps are their offspring. And then a secret Illuminati's been sterilizing them this whole time. Yeah. It could be like a reveal later on that it's like, oh, this it is could. what it is. Yeah, um, but, like for me right now, it's like, okay, so... This is obviously not... Like, I don't see how it could really be nanites. That'd be weird. It's like, okay, so what? Did they find a fucking psychic alien race and gene-modified humans with it? Is that why we start mutating? Because it's, you know, the alien DNA taking over? The, that would make sense. I the, mean... Sorry. The Josh Trank slash Max Landis found footage movie Chronicle does this very well, actually. Uh, in Chronicle, you have three teens that get superpowers, right? And their superpowers fall under a theme. Psychic. Telekinesis. They can levitate, they can fly, they can pull, they can crush. They have all the basic Akira psychic powers. And they get it from, I think, finding an alien ship out in a field that crashed Superman style. That just gives them this power. It's simple, it's straightforward, and you can elaborate on and you know what to expect. And you can, um, you can generate abstractions for later of what powers they could get. But the ant powers are just a shotgun of stuff that's in superhero fiction. Yeah. The the fact that it's a injection, as you say, I get it for the bulks. I get it for even, like, the blasters where it's like, okay, you heat up your hand enough. And sure. the molecules in your hand warm up and they shoot a fireball. Mind controllers, that. sure. Psychic powers. Yes. They had that. Men, at Star- Men That Stare at Goats and MKUltra was a, was yeah. a clairvoyance project. Yeah. Why not? Like, that actually was-, was a project that the American government invested in. Whatever. But, yeah, so those kind of things. But, like, 
the whole just floating in, like telekinesis that psychic powers um okay yeah. sure psychic powers creating something from nothing yeah that that goes a little bit far. manipulating water like being a fire fire isn't an element that you control fire is an energy reaction yeah it's a state of energy how do you control that yeah i think if earth but not metal metal but not earth it was like basically the same except for you couldn't create things from nothing like transmutation did. makes sense um, illusions make sense. Even illusions that can hurt people because you can, you know, you mentally go around it being with, like, you didn't actually physically hurt them, but their brain thought you did, so it got hurt. Your mind the makes it real. Yeah. yeah, or whatever, right? That would be fine. And yeah, the whole thing where, like, yeah, so it was an alien thing or whatever. They gene-modified different things. The bulks are, like, they took, like, the physical aspects of it, or, like, the psychic abilities of these aliens or whatever. The animal control is animal splicing. Yeah, so yeah. that would Fair all make a shit. lot of sense. Yeah, but um, even if they reveal uh, more of this in later books, I think it keeps coming back to Ampere One would have benefited greatly from an extra chapter detailing what the future has in store like for a, GMs and players yeah. to kind of give them a very brief crash course in what you can expect from the from the lineage of the game. Yeah. And and Orpheus did that. Orpheus actually included that. It, it, they gave you a very general idea of what to expect in the very next book. But I think Amp would would have benefited from a kind of overview of everything to expect. Like, you know, certain NPCs are going to be important later on. If you want to run that meta plot, don't kill any of the following NPCs. And then just give a list. Um, yeah. You know, the power sources are kind of based on this. But don't give a very definite explanation, but just explain, you know, yeah, just use, use that justification when you're educating rules. Yeah. Um, you know, this technology is going to be available. These types of character options are going to come up, including, you know, maybe the these rules are going to show up so... Build your character how you want now and don't worry about it because you'll get a chance to do a revision when those rules come out by nature of a plot in the game. Yeah. Mm. All that makes sense. Yeah. You know, like the Eclipse from Heroes. Yeah. You want me to pause? Yeah. Thanks. Sure. We're back. Uh, what were we just talking about? Kevin was about to say something. I forget. Yeah, well, that's what I was trying to say what we were just talking well, you, about. We were um, just talking... Giving us, rule, giving us a glimpse into the yeah. future so we can better make rule educations and setting at, uh, calls. Does that jog your memory at all, Kevin? Damn it. Oh, no, sorry. Um, I think that's the yeah. bulk of our problems, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. All right, well, what did we like about Amp? Because we liked it. We all have yeah, positive yeah. things to say about it. Well, what are they specifically? The powers were fun, even if they weren't... Uh, balanced. balanced. Yeah. yeah. There yeah. was a wide variety of them, which was really nice. Yeah, yeah. you could build a bunch of superhero archetypes in this system. As I say, you guys, you guys only just... Touch the surface. Yeah, we like used among, four powers tops. Yeah, among the elementals, you have air, earth, fire, metal, plants, water. You guys did one of the five or six powers. Well, given there were only three players yeah. and uh, yeah. trying to diversify is a bad idea in this. Fair enough. So, no, the, the powers are, there's a lot of neat powers, a lot of, yeah options and as you say the skill the whole power skill tree thing where like different roots on the powers and different that's neat a lot of fun it looks they remind me of the augment system for fall fantasy tactics no yeah. yes maybe yeah we'll yeah. say yeah and that no sorry no i was just gonna say that's that's neat i like the whole you know if you go down this route this is where it takes you but you kind of miss out on this route but if you really want to specialize you can take both routes and yeah hmm. 
or the like trait systems like the one I had where you know you buy certain quirks for your character and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, like Mary's and That was a lot. Yeah, yeah I, I always like games that have that. Um, a lot of other people don't, but basically looking through the kinds of flaws and merits you can take helps me come up with more ideas. It helps yeah. me flesh out my character it, it more. Definitely, I agree. And as, <laughs> as someone who came into AMP, before I DM'd AMP, I didn't have a ton of DMing experience. And as a DM, and as someone who, even before you know, Exalted, I didn't have a whole lot of role-playing experience. So the merits and flaws, the, you know, those kind of systems, as you say, it really helps a person shape their character. Like, you have an idea in your mind, okay, I'm a superhero. Well, what's my superhero like? Okay, well, they're, you know, brown hair, uh, green eyes. Okay, well, but what are they like mentally? Okay, well, they're, um, oh, they're afraid of, uh, heights. Okay, well, I'm going to take the flaw afraid of heights. I'm not going to make them a flyer. Okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to make them a flyer. Um, okay, well, then if I'm going to take a flaw, I should take something good. Maybe they're not afraid of heights, but maybe they're um, or maybe they are afraid of heights, but they're not scared of the dark. So I'm going to take the bonus not scared of the dark or something so you can see in the dark a little bit. Better. Like, that kind of thing really helps flesh out a character. And give you something, especially as someone newer to the gaming industry, or the, not gaming, the hobby, tabletop industry, tabletop hobby, tabletop whatever you want to call it. Um, it gives them that much more of a stake into it, and they can start to feel like they know what they're doing quicker, and it comes more naturally to them. I think it encourages players to give their characters flaws. That too, yes. Like personality flaws or just... Yeah, and it also, yeah, because it incur it has a system where it gives you bonuses for that. Exactly. Not only will it encourage you to do it, but also it encourages you to think about your character like that. Exactly. So like, I'm sure we everyone's kind of played a game with a, with a person who's like, okay, my character is basically my Mary Sue avatar. Yeah, where... And that kind of loops back to, as I was saying, the, you know, coming in as a first player on the market sort of thing um you're used to these games where you know you play a video game and you can be the best at everything more or less um but when you're role playing it's not so fun to play oh i'm just great at everything and everything i personally know my character knows the generalist yeah you're you know you can't you have to be able to break Okay, I personally know that if I go into this closet, I'm going to die. Does my character know that? And would my character go into that closet? Well, yes, he would. And then you have to tell yourself, okay, I'm going to lose this character. But because you're playing the game and you want to see how the game plays, because you enjoy playing the game, you go into the closet. And maybe your character doesn't die because the DM has something unexpected and it just gets brutally injured. Or it just, maybe it's something else, but it's the flaws that your character has that keeps you grounded in okay my character's not me but he is me or she is me and it it helps create that separate i think that's more role-playing 101 in general than well yes but where... that kind of system the, i think the, the, including the merit and flaw paradigm helps people helps get in people. touch that's what i was saying is is that system is, what is a saying. nice system and it, i'm glad amp has is what yeah. it is for me um just role-playing in general, the first, like, 
official role playing I did was um, Mutoid Age, which we were playing in a system which also had merits and flaws. So like that's kind of always been a part of my role playing experience, um, which is good yeah. for me. Um, Merits and flaws are great because they let you break the uh, standard level one character mold and go in crazy directions. Mm -hmm. And if you balance it a certain way, you get really odd results. Yeah. Mm -hmm. a, it, there's a reason it's a staple of the uh, White Wolf games. Yeah. Uh, what else was... I, you know, I like the idea of the metaplot, but that's because I like Orpheus. Yes, the metaplot was neat. It had, I mean, if you had have just read the metaplot and basically said, okay, we're starting right after the president gets struck. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> We've said it like 15 times already. Yeah. So if you started like right after the year one thing happened and then pretended like year two doesn't exist or something, and you know, again, this is not for that direct fan that wants to play it all the way through, but if you had just gone with, okay, this is the backstory of the world, it creates a really nice backstory, and you can yes. play off of that. I agree with that. Uh, Ampere One, the end of Year One, creates an excellent, um, it's called in the industry, a Year Zero for the game to start at. Yeah. Basically, if you take the entire book up to that point as, as the starting point, you can you can and run a, a fairly in-depth game with a fairly rich cast of characters and events that are happening that you can kind of pull in any direction you want. And I'm sure if you took the end of Year Two, you could do the same thing with the end of Year Two, which is a really neat... You know, it gives that other, as you were saying, if you're that diehard fan, you play through year one the way it should be, in it through, you know, all three or four or five different factions as you go through. So that gives you a number of playthroughs. Mm -hmm. And then you play through uh, year, or, and then you play the end of year one as if you, what you think would happen next without any cares for the future. And then the third, you know, you can play it again still with, no cares for the future right from the beginning of year one. So that gives, you know, by the end of that playthrough, you've now played one of each faction, which let's say four factions. So you've gone through four times there. Then the fifth time you play through is at the end of year one. And then the sixth time you play through is at the beginning of year one without any cares. That's six playthroughs just for year one. Yeah. That's fairly... It gives material to groups who want to hold fast to it. And I think... Um, we talked a lot about the pre-made adventures, but there's also what you call the faction guides. Mm. Like there's one for Typhoon, Seekers of Enlightenment, and whatnot. And those actually do a fairly good job of expanding on the benefits of those factions, as well as the powers most commonly used by their members. I, there, there's a lot of good material support out there. I think there's also a few missions inside of those ones yeah, as well. there are. Which is, you know, and then again... We didn't touch them because the yeah. majority of those faction books came out in year two, and we just weren't there yet. Yeah. Um... Then also, I did like just the sheer depth and the amount of characters they have. Now, the amount of background characters, like as a GM, I can just pull a character off of this list or off of one of the side stories if we're never going to do those side stories. Or if I want to make a world where you guys don't even, where I'm not going to care about the main meta plot or whatever. Um, I can just pull characters and maybe those are backer characters and whatever. But I'm glad they're there. Yeah, definitely. It, it gives me a lot of stuff to pull from. Like, someone's gone through the work of creating this character's backstory. It's maybe we, I don't personally think it's a great backstory for that character, but you know what? It's a backstory I didn't have to create. 
and I can edit it if I want, or maybe I love that backstory. Maybe that's the best backstory, I, I, and I couldn't even have thought of that. Now I have it, and now I can put it into the plot, and it... The game definitely yeah. benefits from there being a birth of NPCs, and at least every supplement gives you at least one or two new ones as well. Yeah. Uh, where it really hits its stride is in year two material, where... NPCs that showed up in year one material or actually show up in year two and they've advanced or changed in certain ways That's cool. and gotten updates to their backstory. Uh, for example, there's some dude who's a healer who goes around murdering people because he's a vigilante and he's also a healer, right? He's called like Syringe or Red Cross or whatever. Uh, and in year two, he was indoctrinated into the Suicide Squad. And now instead of being this kind of vigilante medical dude who's trying to save people, he's an assassin that you have to deal with. And see that as like resources for the GM... That's beautiful. Yeah. Just so... Like, the GM doesn't have to build these characters. You know, let's say there's Sponge, who's this little side character that they were like, oh, she just goes off and does her own thing, and whatever. Well, in year two, if they have an upgrade for Sponge, then the GM doesn't have to upgrade him. And they don't have to deal with what would have happened with... And... Yeah. Alright. Um... This leads into something where it's like, Metaplot is nice in that you can just completely ignore it, and things will happen anyway, so you don't really have to take part if you, if you just want to play a game where it's in that universe. Yeah. Just ignore yeah. everything, and it'll be happening anyway. Yep. So the universe itself, competently created, would we say? I, I, it, I, it does what it sets out to do. Yeah. yeah. No, it, yeah. it's a nice universe. It's It's got interesting plot points. It's got neat stuff throughout it. Um, but you can't really... edit things, which is a bit of a yeah. It has a ripple trick, effect. You but, change something in year one, and yeah. it affects the following. But years. with that said, I mean there is ways of if you are going the full I'm super good kind of superhero path, you shouldn't want to change most of the things too much. But yeah, AMP is not mutants and masterminds, and it is not any of those generic systems where you're building a superhero game. AMP has a very specific story it's telling, and if you want to engage with that, then, yeah, play it out straight. Yep. It has it has the potential to be a sandbox, which is nice, but it is clearly intended to run within the story it's telling. Which is a good story, again. So there's nothing and wrong with that. It's at least as good as Heroes. Mm. Like like Season 1 Heroes. It's it's a, it's a self-contained yeah. superhero arc story. Yeah. I really like it's, Season 1. It's complex. Yeah. Yeah, people like season ones of Heroes. Yeah. It was the good one. I didn't mind. The rest of it went a little bit crazy, but I didn't mind the overall writer strike, man. I don't remember most of it. A carnival past... shows up. Was, yeah, I don't yeah. remember most of it past um, Siler being amazing. Yeah, um, I liked the later seasons he went... <laughs> Spoilers, he went, he went good. He went yeah. good, um, then bad, then good, then bad. And their dad's alive, and he's their brother. And weird, and it was... Right, he's their brother, was, right? No, it's so no. stupid. Or was that a lie? Yeah, that, it was weird. But at the same time, he was just a really well-played character. Zachary so I was like, Quinto. I don't care, so I'm just going to keep watching this because I like you. God-awful soap opera. <laughs> yeah, like American Horror Story, which Zachary Quinto was also in before he became Spock. Okay. He shows up, and we're like, oh, he. it's like, it's like oh, he's going to be a villain because he's Siler. And then I'm like, oh, well, no, he just seems like a really normal guy. Oh, fuck, never mind yeah. <laughs> for American, uh, American Horror Story. Fuck. Like, he's, a, anyway. he's a great actor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway, um, anything else we want to talk about with Amped? Um, 
don't think so. Mechanics. Maybe make. I don't know if that's just how you were running it or how the it's written, but the factions were all like just really obviously evil. Like yeah, yeah. That's, like, I we, we, we had mentioned this too. before, but like that that's something that really stands out to me. Like especially the one that's like. It's clearly well, trying were, to be pushed you, to be the hero faction, but they're villains. There's fucking euthanite or. Uh, it would be fine if they weren't pushed to be the heroes in the. Novel. Yeah, you yeah. cannot do shades of gray like that in a story uh, where you're representing them as the good guy. Uh, yeah. Aberrant got it right. The C, the 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 Project Utopia slash Team Tomorrow. You're supposed to think they're the good guy, and then the rug gets pulled on you that they're secret Nazis. Yeah, like. Your characters weren't supposed to find out about the euthanization or not the the sterilization thing until Even out of character. It's jarring. On. Yeah, out of character. You're right. It is jarring. It's the like, the oh. fiction plays them up as good guys, and what they are doing is clearly suspect at the most generous interpretation. Yeah. Whereas an aberrant with Project Utopia, they don't give them a generous uh, writing. They don't sugarcoat exactly what Project Utopia is, which is trying to safeguard humanity. Not Novas, so I think that definitely needs a needs a touch up. Hmm. And I kind of hope it does fall apart in year two and year three, where it's kind of revealed more. Especially where everyone's it's... like, "Okay, guys, they're obviously." Yeah, I hope the I hope the fiction doesn't keep thinking that they're the good guys because they're clearly not. Even the characters we met in game were kept talking it up, like uh, that rabbit dude and stuff like that. I mean, in fairness, his power. He didn't yeah, want his right. Powers. That for me makes sense. That character makes <laughs> sense, but. Um, but yeah, if like the books keep trying to present them as the good guys, and like the other NPCs keep thinking they're the good guys, I'm. It's like it makes they're you want to fight clearly them more. not. <laughs> it does. It does border on Suism. Yeah, it's it's what led us to cause that huge confrontation in game. Was yeah. uh, their insist their continual insistence that what they were doing was okay. Yeah. So, I think that's it. I think we're wrapping. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, amp year one, two, three, four, five. However, it's gonna go. We like it. Um, I think, you know, I think we, I definitely could see a future where we'd come back to it after it's all been released. Oh, yeah. Um, I would definitely love to. Yeah. I really would like to see where it goes from there. Uh, I would recommend people check it out if they would like a, a superhero game that plays to the kind of story that Heroes and Aberrant and... No, we use masterminds, but like aberrant heroes. Um, what else is on? I think Gotham kind of placed it up a bit too, where there's this kind of roving meta plot happening, and the people involved aren't crazy yet till they become super crazy. Mm-hmm. It emulates that fairly well. You can play whatever superhero you want yeah, uh, from fiction. The, the combos are there. Um, I would even go far go so far as to say that you, if you're interested, you should kickstart the next few kickstarters they put out for year four and year five. If I remember correctly, it wasn't even that crazy expensive. It was a re- really reasonable price. So. I, I'm tempted to. I don't want to. I don't want to make any promises and be a liar. But I'm tempted to say that I'd probably kickstart year four and year five when they come out. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, after all that, we still have really good things to say about it. We're really yeah. positive. Uh, these. This is probably one of the more professional indie presses that have come out. Um, mm. you know, the, the Eloy has been very upfront with the delays and what's been going on. I think he had another kid. Uh, and it's a very small team working on it, and they do a good job. They curate a nice community. They even commented on our stuff, and we're fairly small time as well. Yeah. yeah. So you know, having that kind of connection with the fan base is great. That's. Uh, I think we mentioned 
when we talked about this one, the very first episode we did, we kind of said, you know, this is on Kickstarter, go check it out sort of thing. And we mentioned how Kickstarter communities can either be, you know, really great or really bad. Yeah, and the really bad is stuff like, you know, you get those people who freak out like the sky is falling or who, like, get really upset if you criticize their stuff. Yeah. And that doesn't seem like that at all. It seems like a fairly level-headed community. Yeah. You know, if they're... And it's not too hard... They're not the X3 Kickstarter community. Future Kickstarters, it's not hard to be a great Kickstarter. Send your backers updates once a week, once every two weeks. Be upfront, be honest with them, and... Ask them for help because your backers are your backers. They're there to have your back. Yeah, and they want it they, to succeed. They want it to succeed. Mm-hmm. They want to see it. They like you already. You don't need to, like, and I think a lot of Kickstarters fear that their backers are going to turn on them when backers just want to help. And backers definitely don't want to have to put a lot of work into something. Like, yeah. I went through the trouble of getting Exalted refunded. And it was a pain in the ass. Yeah. And I would have rather not. I would have rather the product would have been good or released or not a fraud. So your Kickstarter backer, your average one, doesn't want to go through the trouble of contacting Kickstarter starting getting the refund process done. They just want to turn off their brain, not pay attention, and then a couple of months, maybe a year down the road, they look one day and boom, the product's delivered. Yep. And then they want to be ecstatic that, oh my gosh, this thing came. It's amazing. I love it so much. And then the hype train starts up again. Yep. And that's, you know, I've backed a number of great things on Kickstarter. I actually wanted to mention that. I wanted to mention the Kickstarter aspect because Ian here is kind of our resident Kickstarter guru. Yeah. I I love Kickstarter. I think... um, He he has a budget lined out of his income for Kickstarter. I would have backed... Year three, I hate to say it, I didn't, because my budget, unfortunately, as Devin said, I lined my budget all out, and year three, unfortunately, was at the end of the budgeting scale, Um, but year four and year five, I'm 99% sure I'll be there. Yeah, one of us at least. Barring unforeseen crazy things, I will, I liked this game, I'd like to see how it ends, and I'd like to see how it plays out. Yeah. So, yeah, this is sponsored by Nobody, uh, all of us here, giving, um, what was it, uh, Ampere One uh, a buy. So yeah, this is oh, Devin, yeah. Kevin, Ian, and Nicole. You have yourselves a good one, listeners.